What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome back to what is our last new episode of the season to cover. Holy crap! That's crazy. So crazy, yes. This is episode 67 of Meet Us at Molly's. We're going to talk about the Chicago Med season finale entitled uh, Tipping Point? Yes. Okay, yes. I got that right. I got yeah, that right. the tipping right. point. Yeah. Cool. Um, guys, we have so much to talk about. So much. Who knew I that like- we were going to be dealing with news after all the show's finales have aired? Oh, all of the news. We have so much news. I know. Okay, so should we just go right for the big stuff? Yeah, let's ease into it. Let's start with the new lineup for next year, and then we'll just... Okay, we're going to ease into the big news. We do see the elephant in the corner of the room. We are going to address it. We're just not going to address it immediately. So let us ease into it. Okay, so first bit of news. NBC renewed everything and then also finalized their schedule in about like two seconds. Yeah, because they were first up on the upfront week. They were. They were indeed, right? Upfront week is kind of it's usually like christmas only this year it's kind of like the red wedding it's a game of thrones reference no i know what you're talking about but like i'm not okay with it but whatever that is a whole different conversation and people don't need to hear me bitch about timeless for being renewed yet or not as being of renewed. recording as of recording we are recording on wednesday night at 9 we p.m eastern at, at 8 p.m central we still do not have word on timeless Bryna is losing it. Dear NBC, please put Bryna out of her misery. Signed, a concerned friend. I literally, I have gotten full night sleeps, but like this morning for no reason other than I had a dream about Timeless and I'm pretty sure I was concerned in my sleep. I was up at 6.45 this morning. For what no time reason. period did you go back to in this dream? It wasn't even about a time period. Like, I just know Lucy and Wyatt were in my dream. (laughs) Like, it wasn't even a time period. But, like, I haven't – like, I've slept through the night once I've fallen asleep. But, like, I've been up early every day just because I know in the back of my mind I'm so concerned about missing the timeless renewal. Yeah, I was checking Twitter relentlessly yesterday. Yesterday being Tuesday, I was like, I kept scrolling. I'm like, it's NBC's day. So like, where is the news? Where is the news? Nothing. It's ridiculous, but that's a whole. I I it's when we whole... do our TV up TV shows that we watch, that is that is like what I'm gonna go on for like an hour about. For sure, for sure. Yeah, guys, just to give you a rundown of what we're going to talk about tonight. So we are going to do the news. We are not going to ignore the gigantic bit of news that came down yesterday. Don't worry. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the episode. And then we're going to talk about our plans for hiatus. So hang in there. It's coming. We'll talk about everything. It's coming. Yes. So first bit of news we got. NBC has planned their schedule for the fall. All three Chicago shows are moving to Wednesday nights. We're going to die. We're going to die. Yes. Um, Med will be at 8, 7 central. Fire will be at 9, 8 central. PD will be at 10, 9 central. Brenda, thoughts? Okay. I think, I don't know. I think my first reaction was like, oh, well, the, there's an epic crossover coming. 
like you know that it's going to make their lives in terms of crossing over so much easier. I hope so. Like, they have three hours to devote, like straight, like not across nights. Like they can do almost like they do when like fires on their two hour movies and like no commercials throughout the like when it's hour switches. Like literally, like a straight, almost like a feature film. Like with yeah. commercials here and there. Like if a feature film was shown on TV, like almost like that. So that was my first thought. And, like, I think as a fan, it's great to have them all in one night, whatever. Like, I think it'll be fine. And, like, have – in terms of ratings, I think it'll be great. For us, we're screwed. It, it, yeah. It, <laughs> we've thought about what this is going to do to the schedule. I do think it's great that they're all going to be on one night. It's going to be great to go from – right from med to, like, directly to 51, directly to the 21st. I think that's going to be great. Right. That's going to be awesome. I also think it's going to free up the rest of the week for most of us shy hearts. <laughs> True. Because we can't be the only ones who are like, oh, it's Wednesday. I have to be home by this time to watch PD. We're not the only ones. We know we're not the only ones. That's true. I will just say, though, as like, as someone, I don't know. I think one, as someone who, you know, has like somewhat of a job that like does stuff at night, like, It'll be great from that perspective. But then if I wanted to go to like happy hour, like with my friends, then I have then not that I feel the pressure to be home anytime, but like the time start. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, oh, like I can go to happy hour and not have to worry about because like I'll definitely make it home in time. Yeah. But like now it's like, oh, shit. Like if I'm not home by eight, then like med's going to have started. So like it's just like it is a little bit of different from that. Um, like sometimes, But I do like the fact but I also then I think about it too. Like, am I really gonna want to watch? Like, I think it will be great in terms of ratings and like getting people to go from med to fifty one to twenty first. But like, am I really gonna want to sit there and watch three hours of this like once a week every like for one night? I don't know. It does circle back to what we were saying in our fire finale. How I've grown to dislike the two hour episodes. I don't like them. It's I think too sometimes hard. they're fine. Like I think. Uh, like, when Fire does them, like, as two-hour episodes, like, every once in a while, okay, fine. Like, I can get on board with it. Like, doing two this season was a little much, but I can get on board with, like, one a year, and, like, that's it. Every week, three hours? Like, that's insane. But at least it's just once a week, and it's not multiple, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I also, And it's not I'm, like every week is going to be a three-hour crossover. That's something to keep no, in mind I, as no, well. No, that's true. It, it's true. But, like, I don't know. I'm also concerned, like, I'm a little concerned for Med. Like, I I feel like PD is going to be the greatest one just because it's in its original time slot that it's always been in. Right. The other two, in terms of lead-ins, like, granted, there are other Chicago shows, and if you're a fan, like, you're probably watching all three. But, like... They don't have, like, you know, the This Is Us lead-in anymore. Like, you know, like, they're dependent on each other. Right, but Med has been Fire's lead-in before. That is true. And plus, now Fire's not going to have all those crappy comedy lead-ins that they had this year. That's true. I don't know. I think it's, I mean, I think it's an interesting experiment, and I think that it is just that. It's an experiment. So, like, we'll see. We will see. In terms of podcast, we've discussed this. Granted, we didn't really have time to catch our breaths after the fire finale before news just came flying in everywhere. Yeah, and life. 
In life, yeah. So preliminary, what we're thinking, like preliminary reports indicate, and this is just what we've kind of thrown out. But again, we've got a long hiatus ahead of us. We're not even like, we're like, we're officially a full week into hiatus, but like only a week. So what we're thinking is that we'll record once a week and do quick hits for all three shows. That seems to be what's going to be best for our schedules granted and our sanity and our sanity yes not that we don't like recording three times a week we love it and we love each other no but but yeah family and friends want to see us too so that's what we're thinking right now but things could change we've got a long hiatus ahead of us we're not even like two percent into hiatus so we're not even one person into hiatus exactly exactly (laughs) So that's one bit of news. Um, while we're talking about this, we should mention NBC upfronts were earlier this week. And Marina from, okay, so from Fire, it was Taylor and Eamon who were there. PD was Marina, LaRoyce, and John. And then Med was Colin, Yaya, and Epatha. And Oliver. And Oliver. Okay, yeah. So the, the One Chicago shows were very well represented. One of the questions that kept coming up throughout the interviews was what we are going to call Wednesday nights. Yeah, I put those at the bottom of our outline. Like there was an interview with Taylor and Eamon on Access. Nothing new, whatever. But the one with Extra was where they like asked this question or the first time I saw it. Taylor joked in that interview that Wednesdays should be referred to as Windy City Wednesdays. Mm. I think it's funny. But then, so then PD ended up joining. So then it being Taylor, Eamon, Marina, LaRoyce, and John. And LaRoyce joked that it should be called Wolf Wednesdays. Slightly better. What do you want to call it? I don't know. Because Windy City Wednesday doesn't really, well, it kind of flows. One Chicago Wednesday doesn't flow as well. No, it doesn't. Eamon suggested that name. And people were like, no, that's too long. No. Wolf Wednesday... Not really, because you've got SVU on Thursday, so that's not necessarily true. No, I know, but... So I guess I'm okay with Windy City Wednesday, or maybe we just shorten it to Windy Wednesday. Yeah, but it can't be Windy Wednesday because the Windy City is Chicago. And so it's basically that is your replacement for Chicago. Like, instead of calling it Chicago Wednesdays, you would call it Windy City. Like, you can't just say Windy. Like, that doesn't work. Windy City Wednesday would work. I guess out of the three, that's the best option. Yeah, but if anyone has any thoughts, we are taking suggestions. We really are. And apparently my dog agrees that it should be Windy City Wednesday. But yes, um, I'm, yeah, I guess, I guess if I have to choose between the three, that's probably the best one. So yes, we are taking suggestions. Please tell us what you think Wednesday night should be called. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that bit of news. I don't know. I'm excited to have no. I I don't know. I'm excited to have other nights of the week free. Yeah, I guess it depends on what else. Like I haven't looked at the schedules for other things. Like I don't think I'll have anything else on Wednesdays. So I guess that frees me up for other nights of the week to watch TV. Yeah, I guess it just depends. I will. I haven't seen the CW's lineup yet. That I think is the most dependent one. But we'll see. The only other ones I watch on the CW are The 100, Supernatural, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So I think I should be safe. 
I watch everything on the CW pretty much. Oh, so. side note, but did you see Stephen Amell's Instagram post today? This is totally Chicago related, by the way. Um, he took his daughter to go see Frozen. And I guess they had a moment where she was whispering to Patty and Cassie that her dad is the Green Arrow. No, I yeah. didn't see oh that. Oh my God, it's the cutest Instagram post. See, I told you it was Chicago related. I was, like, I knew, like, I knew that obviously they were going to go because of Patty and Colin and mm-hmm. it was fun. I love so them. cute. So, so cute. You know what would be cool? And I'm just throwing this out there. Is if we could get Steven on the Chicago Med to, like, guest star as a patient or something. Just quickly. That would be so fun. That would be cool. Yeah. That That's never going to happen. It really isn't. I know. Like, it's already like a hotshot doctor. Because it's not even like they're in the same city. Like, if they were both in L.A., maybe. But, like, one is in Chicago and Steven films in Vancouver. So, like. Yeah. Not happening. Not as much happening. as I wish it would. Right. So elsewhere in news, we've still got we've still got a couple more things to cover from Upfronts. So there was an interview with Taylor and Eamon that was really cute. Um, They're just kind of basically talking and I'm trying to scroll to the top of the outline here. That's why I'm kind of stalling for time. But okay, can we just say, though, in terms of Upfront interviews, like, again, nothing crazy. Why the fuck do people ask the same questions that they've been asking since season one? Like, I literally can't watch any of these interviews anymore because, like, as, like, the journalist in me wants to, like, scream. They, they are, yeah, a lot of them are, well, not even the same questions just from season one. It's the same questions over and over. You well, no, but I'm saying, like, specifically tell, questions you should have asked, like, only in season one, maybe two and maybe three. Like, you could have gotten away with them asking them in the beginning. But, like, not for a show that's going into season seven. Like, when you ask Taylor a question about, like, doing stunts and whatever and, like, being, da- like, like, stop. Like, that is a season one question. That is not a question you ask somebody going into season seven of their show. I always think to myself when I'm going to ask a question, I'm like, okay, what are the chances that I could find this answer on the internet? Or like, what are the chances that, you know, I could predict this answer? Right. Like, it's different if you know that, like, you're kind of the first one getting a shot at, like, telling their story or telling whatever. Then you obviously go for all the basic questions. But, like... Not when it's something prolific, as prolific as Chicago Fire, that again is going into season seven. Season seven, oh which is God. insane. But like, I was literally like, I don't even know which one it was. It must have been the Access one. I was like, why are we asking these questions? Like, and I literally texted you. I was like, what? It, what the fuck are we doing right now? I know it's it's always a little sad to me when you can tell when journalists clearly do not watch the show. Yes. Clearly. And I get that that's like the nature of the job is that in the job, in the professional world, you're going to cover a lot of things that you don't watch. But. Yeah, there's no alternative. There's there's no but to that. It just, you know, you can tell like, when somebody's like, you know, doesn't one watch. of the ones. So that's one of the things they were talking about. And I, again, I don't remember if this was the access one or the extra one. I think it was the extra one. That they were having this conversation, but like the guy was like joking around with Taylor before Amy came on, so I think it was the extra one. And like he, they were joking around the fact that like about like Severed being a ladies' man. Okay, that's true. But if you had watched anything from season six, then like you would know that there's a transformation that took place, and like he's not as much of a lady, you know. Like, don't say it too loud. I don't want the writers to hear. <laughs> But like, you it know, still changed things in season seven. But, like, you know what my point is. Like, you know that, like, if no, you paid attention that, to anything that happened last season, then, like, you wouldn't necessarily be joking about this. Because, like, Severide is in a committed relationship right now. Like, 
Yeah. I don't know. It's just, like, clear, like, and again, I don't know if this is, like, because granted, I'm sure normal people, like, can watch it and be fine, but as someone who, A, studied journalism in school, and B, like, does interviews now and, like, writes about television and whatever, it bugs the hell out of me. Yeah. Like, I can't, like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I can't watch this shit. I understand completely. So, but yeah, they did one interview with Taylor and Eamon. That was really cute. And they asked Taylor, you know, what hasn't been done yet that he thinks would be a good idea. He said he wants to do a big giant call on the lake, which would be really cool. But then he also added the anecdote about season one when uh, Severide went into the water when it was like negative 10 degrees out. Um, And just how unpleasant that was. But he still thinks that a call on the lake would be a good idea on, like, Lake Michigan. It would be cool, though. You'd have the whole, like, skyline as the background. Yeah, well, that's why you do that as, like, the very first call of the season when it's still warm outside. and the When it's July, yeah. Right, and the water is not freezing. But it won't kill you to be in the water. Also correct. Yes. So that was a cool interview. And there was the one where Marina and John and LaRoyce crashed it. That was cool. There were just a lot of little tiny adorable interviews throughout Upfront today. We didn't really see the med kids, did we? Doing interviews? No, not doing interviews. I saw plenty of pictures of them, but not doing interviews. Yeah, not so much with the med kids. I don't know if that was because their finale hadn't aired yet or what, but. I'm, they yeah. might be coming out. Like, I don't know. We just haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're Perfect. not, they don't exist and they, ha- they just haven't come out yet. Right. Also, can we note that Marina and LaRoyce, the day before Upfronts, were in Paris, France? Yeah. And LaRoyce was late getting to Paris. Yeah, he was. He missed his flight. So did Jason. They missed their flights going to Paris. Then LaRoyce, again, was literally there for Saturday, essentially. Because he was late getting to Cannes that day because he was on the plane. So he was literally there for Saturday and then left that's crazy. Yeah, and they somehow looked amazing and not sleep deprived at all in New York. Yeah. I don't even know. So that's awesome. Good for them. So yeah, that's another bit of news was just from Upfronts. And I think now we have to address the elephant in the room, don't we? Yeah, that's all we got. So <laughs> so we all know it by now. On Tuesday of this week, Beloved Monica Raymond, our beloved Gabby Dawson, sent out a tweet and confirmed what Deadline had been speculating, that she will not be returning to Chicago Fire in season seven. Let's just have a moment of silence for our dear Gabby Dawson. Okay. So... (laughs) (laughs) Moments of silence don't work on podcasts. I just just learned that just now. So... (laughs) Yeah, she sent out a tweet and it was a sweet like handwritten letter just saying, you know, it's time to move on. The next chapter awaits. See you on the ice. See you on the ice. I don't even want to begin to speculate what that well, means. Well, someone on Twitter, I'm going to see. Oh, here it is. So Vicky put this on Twitter. I guess it's from Urban Dictionary or whatever. And it's like the definition. So see you on the ice. Something you say when you know there is going to be a long period of time before seeing someone again. However, the intention is that day will come. Hmm? <laughs> I guess it's from Urban Dictionary. I'm going to confirm that that is from Urban Dictionary right now. But she posted a screen <laughs> cap of that. Be careful. You never know what you're going to find on Urban Dictionary. No, I know. But, like, so take that with a grain of salt. But. So, 
So this came down. We were very sad. We are very sad, just like all of you. And we shared it also with our friend Rachel over at Talk Nerdy. And Rachel brought up a very good point. This is why we love to talk to you guys about what's going on in the fandom or in during the shows. We, this is why we love to talk to you guys is because sometimes you will bring us viewpoints that we didn't think ourselves. And so Rachel brought up a really good point. And Rachel's first question was, why do all of the female leads keep leaving? And I feel like it was worth kind of just mentioning. No, it definitely is. I mean... And granted, I mean, we talked about it in our group text, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we can really compare Sophia leaving to Monica leaving, just because as far as we know, nothing happened behind the scenes to make Monica leave. You know, just her contract was up and she's chosen to move on to other projects. Um, But I mean, I will say, like, in terms of diversity and seeing strong women, strong female characters on television represented, like, it is upsetting. Um, But, I mean, you just, like, you can't really compare Sophia's situation to Monica leaving, um, just because as far as we know, we don't, nothing happened behind the scenes to make Monica leave. And we'll never know the true story. That is the other thing. I won't lie. Social media has been exhausting in the days since this this news has broken. About 24 hours. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to remember, Hollywood is a business. Yeah. Business. At the end of the day, it is still a business. For sure. And we are on one side of the computer or the TV and everybody who makes this show happen, who works so hard to bring us the shows that we love, are on another side. We will never know the full story. All we can do is speculate. And so we don't know of anything that's happened. We'll never know. And so I feel like, you know... Of course, we all have to let out our emotions and talk about how sad we are that she's leaving. I'm so sad that she's leaving. But the negativity that's been pointed at the crew and cast of these shows, not necessary. Not necessary. Because if this was indeed fully a Monica decision, they had no control over it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard. And like like you said, we're never going to know the full details. Or... You can never say never, but, like, 99.9% sure we will never know the full details about her circumstances surrounding her leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, you, we will never know if she made the decision last week, if she made the decision two months ago. Like, we will never know. And never know. so you can't blame the writers for writing the ending the way they did. If Like, what if she made that decision last week? Like, the show was done. The show was wrapped. Like, what can they do? Well- Yeah, and that's another thing, too, is that a lot of people were saying they were like, I'm not mad that she's leaving. I'm mad at the way they wrote her exit. Okay, let's think about this. So say you're at your job and somebody you don't know, somebody you've never met before in your life comes over your shoulder and starts telling you how to do your job. The writers and the actors on this show, they don't see things the way that we do, or at least I don't think they do. I've tried to ask the question before. When I interviewed Marina, I tried to ask this question. I didn't phrase it the right way, though. I basically want to know if writers and actors and people who work on these shows see things the same way we do. So, you know. I was just going to, I mean, my quick response would be no, just because it is their livelihood. Like, it is what they do 24-7. We we might consume it ourselves 24-7, but, like, it is not our livelihood at the end of the day. Bingo. Bingo. And that's that's 
basically what I'm trying to say is that for these people who the people who work tirelessly to bring us these shows that we love, this is their job. This yeah. is their job the same way that we go to our jobs and then come home and watch the shows that they work so hard to put on. And so none of us would like it if somebody came over our shoulder and tried to tell us how to do our job. Yeah. And there's something so our friend Lindsay that we met in Chicago at Lottie's, she tweeted something that I was just like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is exactly how I feel about the situation. And I just want to like read a little snippet of it. So because she was talking about in defense of the writers and crew, she's like, you know, there's not much really they could have done differently. She's like, there's really no right way to end a marriage, no right way to kill off a character, no right way to have one leave. She's like, it's all going to be upsetting and outraging. And everyone is always going to say there's a different way they could have played it, which is true. Um, Mm -hmm. A character leaving is always going to be difficult. And the truth is they really couldn't have ended it any better without Casey leaving also. There's no way they could have done it. They could have ended it with doing justice to her character and to what their characters had together. It's upsetting and heartbreaking, but they did what they what they could with the hand they were dealt. And I just think, yes. like, that was so, like, it's so true. Like, obviously, like we said, we don't know when Monica made her decision, but, like, and I feel like it's the same way you could apply it with Aaron too. Like, there's no good way for those characters to leave without the person they were doing life with, their partner, is, like, also leaving too. Exactly. And if they had flipped the script and made it so that they paved the way very clearly for Dawson to exit, People were still going to be pissed because there's no version of this where Casey and Dawson end up apart and okay with it. Right. I mean, you could even look at it like suits, like with Megan and Patrick leaving. Like, yeah, you know, Megan obviously was clearly leaving. Patrick didn't have to leave, but like it was the same situation, you know, like Patrick, you know, Megan's leaving. That is, I mean, I've never watched suits. I can't say this is true. I'm assuming obviously Megan is a his main screen or scene partner so like she was leaving and he saw that that was an opportunity to you know if he was gonna leave like now was the time to do it and the writers knew that well in advance and they got to write them their happy ending and like that is that but like she nine times out of ten that doesn't happen Exactly, exactly. And the other part of the reason why Patrick J. Adams left Seuss was because, I mean, I don't know how much you know about it, but he's he's a fake lawyer in the show, basically. Yeah, I know that. And so he had he had basically he went to atoned jail. for what he did. He went to yeah. jail, yeah. And so once that was done, it was kind of twofold. Patrick was like, well, Mike's atoned for his sins. There's really nothing else for him to do. And so if Rachel's leaving, he's not going to leave without her. Right. So it was twofold. But there's no version of this where... Dawson leaves without Casey, and it's okay. There's no amicable split here. Right. Yeah. So, it's. You know. I mean, but I saw, like I said, I saw Lindsay post that. I was like, that is exactly what I, you know, nobody's happy about the situation, but, like, there is no perfect way to for it to be done, and I don't think it's fair to the writers to get all the blame. Because it could, it's probably, from what it has made, been made to be seen it's not their fault it was just monica's contract was up and she's chosen to move on and that is okay as far as we know and that is okay so like it's not the writer's fault so like they shouldn't be getting all the blame that's life guys people come and go in life and it's right and that's the i mean and i think that's you know that's part of the problem with being a fan of a long running ensemble show Mm -hmm. like Think about Grey's Anatomy. Like, how many times have, like, beloved characters come and gone? Like, this season, I mean, April in Arizona, like, they got fired. Like, they didn't even, like, there wasn't even, like, their contracts were up and they chose to leave. Like, they got fired. Like, people yeah. come and go all the time. Like, it's what's going to happen on a long-running ensemble show. Like, and plus, 
if you're a fan of SVU, which is also in the Dick Wolf universe, which was the first show around, you know, before the Chicago shows got here, you see it with SVU all the time. People come in and out. Most recently, Barba left. And that's how we got Philip Winchester in that role. So it's exactly what Brian is saying. It's one of the pitfalls of a long running show is that life happens in between. And sometimes people want to move on and do other things. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, like, you might like some actors are okay with being, you know, playing one character for the rest of their lives. Like it's a steady job. You know, they can raise their kids if they choose to have kids and families and whatever in the same spot and whatever. But like, not all actors feel like that. And I feel like a majority of them don't like, you know, they want to, you know, do different things, whether it's movies or musicals or directing or writing or producing or whatever. And so like, seven years is a long time to be in one spot and not be getting a taste of to do something else. Exactly. So exactly. I mean, I think I don't want to jinx myself by saying this, but like, Unfortunately, you know, like I said, seven seasons, we're six with, we're going into six with PD, four with med. Like, I don't want to say it. it. I know where you're going with this. Don't say say it. it. I won't say it. But you know what? I mean, like, you know what I'm trying to say. Don't say it. I'm not going to say it. But like, I think people can out there can get what I'm applying. Yeah. Don't put that out into the universe. I'm not. But I'm just saying like, I don't know. No, it's okay. I get what you're trying to say. But you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, like, but it's true, though, that, like, like, again, it's it's a long-running series. Shit's going to happen. It's going to happen. Things that we aren't going to like. But I do think there are some things that surrounding next season and Gabby and whatever, like, we came up with some questions I think we wanted to just kind of address. Yes. So let's get into that. So obviously, you know, Monica's leaving. That's that. There's nothing we can do about it. From a character standpoint, from a season seven standpoint, we can speculate. We like to speculate. Theories are fun, especially when we come up with ridiculous ones. We like doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, just as long as nobody takes us seriously when we throw out these theories. These are for fun, guys. For fun. We know nothing. We know nothing. We know nothing. Absolutely nothing. People might think we know stuff, but we really don't know anything. We really don't know anything. Now that the finales have aired, we know nothing. Zilch. Zip. Nothing. All right, Brenna, I'll throw you the first question. Where did Gabby go? Puerto Rico. Do you think she went there and just decided to stay? I don't. I've been thinking about this in the little free time that I have uh, this week. Uh, I don't know. I, it. This is tough. Because, like, and I think this then kind of leads into, like, well, what happens to Dossie? Like, I don't know. Like, do they get divorced? Does she come? <sighs> I mean, I know. It's brutal to say. Like, I don't. But, like, do they get divorced? Do Does she come back and, like, I don't know. Like, they're technically together, but, like, we just never see her. Which I don't think is. I think that's the least likely scenario. Just because you can't go so far. Like, when there, where there is Casey, there is Gabby. Or at least up until now. Where there is Gabby, there was Casey. So, like, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to be able to buy that, like, they're still together and, like, us never see Gabby. Right. So, like, I'm assuming they get divorced, which I know, I I know, but, like, that just seems like the most norm, like, the most obvious choice and, like, seems, like, to be the easiest transition. Um, But then that leads to, like, well, like you said, like, does she come back from Puerto Rico? Like, is she in Chicago? Like, did she go somewhere else? Like, did she? 
I'm not even going to say it because you're going to hate me if I say it. Um, I, yeah, I'm not even going to ask. I usually would, but I'm not going to ask. <laughs> you don't want to hear me say what I was thinking, but I, I, I do, but I don't. You know, do, you, don't. you don't No, you don't. I had a roommate a couple of years ago who went on a mission trip to Zambia and she came back and decided that she wanted to live there full time. And so she moved to Zambia and that's now her full time job. So maybe it's something like that with Gabby, where she got a taste of Puerto Rico, came back, decided she wanted to help full time. And that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, it's not like 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 the, it happens, but I don't know. But I also would buy like if Gabby, like if they said like Gabby stayed in Puerto Rico, like I would also buy that because I feel like once Gabby gets there and like she sees the good that she's doing and the help she's providing like she's gonna thrive like she's gonna love it but it just i can't reconcile it with the fact that she just up and left and left casey there i know and i think that's i think that's where i'm most curious about so like one of the things we wanted you know we were discussing and like our question we had was like well where do we where does this where do we find casey in 701 and i think that's what I'm most curious about. And, like, obviously, it's really dependent on how they write Gabby off. But I hope Casey's working through his feelings and, like, kind of analyzing what happened. And, like, when we come back, I mean, I think I'll be really pissed off if he just kind of easily moves on and that is that. Or at least if we don't get to see some of it. Like, if it happened, yeah. like, we time jump a year or whatever. And, like, he's done all that in the year that we let, you know, whatever. I'll be pissed about that. But... I don't know. I think it's really just dependent on what they show, like where Casey is in 701. Yeah, I definitely do not want a time jump. And you know how I like like, dark things. And you and Ashley think like something's wrong with me because I love dark like fan fiction and shit like that. This is probably really dark of me, but I basically want to see Casey just in tatters. Like I want to see him like crashing with Severi, like just devastated because – he even said it in the finale. He said, what's wrong with being codependent on someone who loves you with everything he has? That's going to be the line that we're just like, we talk about like the couch with Lindsay and that and with Lindsay and the fact that, you know, with Lindsay, like she fucking goes to Jay. But like, that's going to be it with Dossie is like, he fucking loved her with everything he had. And she just up and left. And she left. Yeah, but no. I'm not blaming that on Gabby. I'm like, I'm not saying like how selfish. I'm just saying I that's where I want to see Casey in 701. I want to see him in tatters. I want to see like the unshakable Matt Casey shaken to his core. I can't imagine, though, because. And again, 99.9% sure you can never say never, but 99.9% sure that Monica is not going to come back in season seven and wrap it up mm-hmm. that. I can't imagine that they pick up right where they left off. I imagine even if it's a short time jump, like a month, like I can't imagine them not doing a time jump. I Yeah, I don't want it though. Just I because of for it. sake of a story and like how do they wrap that up like without jumping a month? Like where Gabby is clearly yeah. out of the picture. Like I feel like they have to almost time jump just in order to sake of to get Gabby clearly out of the picture. Man. Because then if they pick up exactly right where they left off or essentially the, like, the next day, like, then they have to deal with Gabby coming home that night and, like, 
packing for PR, like, for Puerto Rico and, like... Oh, well, yeah, no, like, don't pick it up, like, five minutes later where she's, like, tell me about Puerto Rico. Pick it up maybe, like, a month later where Casey's just, like, devastated sleeping on Severide's couch, I got you, you know? Okay. I got I think yeah, I meant, like, I mean. the next day. Like, I was like, oh, there's no, no, no. no way they can actually, legit, like, logistically get themselves out of that hole if they started that soon. Like, they have to no, time no. jump even a month. I keep coming back to the John Mayer song, Dreaming with a Broken Heart. I love to, like apply music to tv because high nerd but like dreaming with a broken heart by john mayer it's a great song but like it's a great song that it is a great song it's that's like that's how i'm imagining casey in early season seven is just just broken i mean think about it though because he loved hallie maybe not with everything he had and then she died i was literally just about to bring up hallie yeah like he loved he loved hallie thought she was the one and then she died very brutally and tragically fought his ass off for Gabby you know and it took a while it wasn't like he just turned around and was like Gabby let's be together you know we had seasons two three four you know all those seasons so she left now so I mean he's got to be devastated it's not the kind of thing that he's just gonna shake it off and go back to work like no big deal yeah I just I want to see that yeah, like, so, I want to so, see him working through his feelings and analyzing what happened like you said sleeping on Severide's couch and like yeah so I also want him single for a good long time. I don't want him jumping back into a relationship like Jay and Camilla. Side eye. Jay and Camilla was slightly different because it was an undercover thing. But yes, I agree. I shouldn't like Jay and Camilla, but it was slightly different. Yeah. So I just. Yeah. So another question. Who replaces Gabby on Ambo? And we've had some interesting conversations about that this week. Yeah, so you threw out there first, because we were talking about this, you threw out there that Stella did. And I agree. I think Stella is, like, kind of the most obvious choice to replace Gabby on Ambo. But when we were talking about this, I had this question about, well, what if they move Stella to Ambo? Because then, obviously, that leaves an open spot on truck. And what if they bring back Cordova? Because Derek told us he would love for Damon to come back. And at least he's a character we're already all familiar with. And, like, you know, the reason he left in the first place and didn't take that permanent spot was because of Gabby. But now she's gone. And it's, I do like that. Well, and it's funny. So I was having a conversation in our DMs about it with Jennifer because she said the same thing. She said, like, thought doesn't have, you know, whatever. She's like, what if Stella moved over? And I was like, we actually discussed that. Um, and then she said, like, maybe we could see a resolution. Granted, not that they were completely at each other's throat between Cordova and Casey. Because, like, mm-hmm. that would lead to some really interesting conversations. Um, yeah. And she said Derek could have even been – because, like, when Derek said that, she's like, Derek could have been hinting at it and we didn't even realize it. I was it's like, true. he could have. Um, yeah. What do you think about bringing in another female, though? I don't know. So, because, like, I mean, obviously, I'm totally all for it. Like, if that's the route, if that's the route they choose to go, then that's the route they choose to go. I just don't know. And I feel like we've gotten this conversation, like, with when Stella comes in and, like, Herman reacts the way he does about, you know, oh, women or whatever, like, in the firehouse and, you know, whatever. And granted, I think he's kind of over that opinion by now. But, like, right. I don't want them to bring – it's hard because, like, I want there to be more, more women on television and whatever. But in terms of being in a firehouse, I don't want them to bring in a woman just for sake of bringing in a woman. 
Like, it's also hard. true. It's hard. Like, because I feel like that's what that would be. It's like, oh, we only have Brett and Stella. Like, we need another woman. And, like, I don't know how I feel about that either. Like, I don't want to, like, as a woman myself, like, I don't want to be just thrown into situations just because I need to be represented more. But then on the flip side, like, there is never such a thing as too much representation. So, like, I, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Like, I think, but then, I don't know. I just don't know, like, do they bring in another new character right away? Like, do they, they have it- to, otherwise, Ste- or not Stella, they have to, otherwise Brett's running solo. Or they bring in Chout for a couple episodes, which I'd actually be okay with. Right. That's um, what I'm saying. Like, they could bring in a floater. Yeah. Temporarily. If the arrangement wasn't still doing well on E, I would say bring Rafferty back. Yeah. Or bring Mills back. Yeah, that, that was my off. first theory. That was immediately what I jumped to. I was like, everybody was tweeting out how like sad they were and devastated. And I just kind of raised my hand. I was like, so is now a bad time to point out that Charlie Barnett might be free? Because, yeah. Valor's canceled, so. Valor was unfortunately canceled. And we love us some Charlie Barnett. And, you know, Mills deserved better. He deserved a better ending. That he ending was better. Not great. I always, I always shipped him with Brett. I'm not even gonna lie, because this was like pre-Bretonio, pre-Brett and Cruz. Oh, I totally shipped him with Brett when they were on Ambo together. That would be an interesting wrench. Um, it would be adorable. And plus, plus, I will point out the dancing shark on the dashboard of the Ambo still there. Totally still there. Yeah, it's the dancing shark that he got. No, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, that is true. It is still there. It's just, I don't know. I think it'll be really interesting to see, like, kind of, like, what if we get a casting news, like, if we get someone, you know, because then I think we'll be able to, like, eventually piece the, you know, put it all together. But I think it is also worth noting, too, like, right now, we are literally just speculating, like, the writers don't go back, I think Derek told us, until, like, June 4th. So they still Mm -hmm. have, like, two, two and a half, three weeks Till they even go back and start talking about it, let alone writing the first episode back. So, like, nobody literally has any idea of what's going to go on. None of us. We're just speculating for fun's sake. I also just had a ridiculous theory that's making me laugh. What? <laughs> Hope comes back from Fowlerton and becomes an EMT and she partners with uh, Sylvia Ambo. <laughs> that is the epitome of ridiculous. I know. That's why I said it. You're over there like too far, Gina. Too far. <laughs> Bring me but, back yeah, pretty I mean, much anyone else except for that chick. Just, you know, the speculation game is fun. We enjoy it. No, so. it is. And I I think there are, like I said, I think at least in the things that we, in terms of what we just threw out, they're actually, I feel like they could be realistic. So it's not like they're too far out. Like Cordova coming back is like a legitimate thing that could happen. I like that idea, actually. I really, I'm really a fan of that idea. Not just because I came up with it, but yeah. I mean, and like, like we said, I mean, Derek said he would want Cordova to come back, assuming that Damon's free. Oh God, that would make the Cordova Casey dynamic really awkward, that's what, though. Because like, but that's what Jennifer was saying. Like, you could get a kind of an interesting. It'd be good and from a storytelling perspective, and it would be eventually you'd see them probably become friends. I mean. Mm-hmm. It would just be really cool from a storytelling perspective. Um, there's, like, some built-in stuff, because obviously then they have to address that elephant in the room that, like, 
you know, that is the reason that Cordova left, but, like, now Gabby's gone, which is Casey's wife, and, like, just, yeah. it would it would be cool from a story. I don't know. I think I'm really talking myself into this idea, and so I'll be slightly let down if this doesn't happen, but, like, I'll get over it. I know. But, like, yeah, that, I also just really like Damon, idea. so, like... I want so another another thing that came up, Derek did his Q&A on Sunday and, you know, a lot of people were feeling those feelings after the season finale of Chicago Fire. Hey, we get it. We're still feeling those feelings. Um, and somebody asked him, you know, how long did you guys know about this second half of the season and this cliffhanger? And... So his response just said he was like, you know, ending sounds so final. He said the storyline's been planned since 601. It's foreshadowed all season. We didn't concentrate on the specifics until we broke the second half of the season, though. So the only part of this that makes me scratch my head is that it's foreshadowed all season. I think that means we have to do a rewatch at some point. Like, Where is it foreshadowed that Gabby's going to leave? Well, I don't think necessarily... That's what they were foreshadowing. I think they could have been foreshadowing, like, in terms of, like, the fight. Like, I think if you were talking about, like, the fight being foreshadowed all season, then, yeah, I think you can throw that out there. Because it's just the fact of, like, they talked a little bit about what happened, you know, at in 522 and 601. But, like, they didn't never really fully had a conversation, which led to all kinds of communication issues this season. So then obviously it was going to blow up in a fight at the end. And I think that's kind of what he meant by like what they were foreshadowing. I could be wrong, yeah. though. But that's what I took about in terms of foreshadowed all season was the fight, not Gabby leaving. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So, yeah. Um, and also, I mean... I feel like our listeners have never been as active and vocal as they were this week with all the finales. But we yeah, because I think of- that's, I mean, yeah, because we weren't around when Sophia left. So we were not. No. So we got so many emails, so many tweets. And thank you guys, because we love to engage with you and we love to hear, you know, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. So we got a lot of those. So we got one from friend of the pod, Jessica S., um, side note, I've discovered Tumblr this week, and um, I know I'm old and I'm late to the game, but I've been sending her a lot of like Power Ranger wonders that I've been finding because she's my Power Ranger buddy, but that's beside the point. Jessica S. Okay, so she says, you know, I've got to let some feels out. That's what we're here for, girl. Did the right thing. So the news about Monica hurts, not because I'm upset with her leaving if it was her choice. I'm more upset with not only how she was written out, but how the writers are acting about it. They're acting proud that they just ruined a marriage. I understand joking around with the fans is their thing, but it's borderline offensive. To me, it seems like they slapped the story together at the very last minute. It's a mess, and it's left a very bad taste in my mouth. I get that, of course. I mean, there have been plenty of times on TV shows where things have happened where it's left a bad taste in my mouth. I hate to always go back to One Tree Hill, but I do. When the dog ate Dan's heart, I was like, uh, what just happened? (laughs) So I get that. You know, a lot of times this is where real life crosses with art and it messes things up. And so not saying that like Monica has messed everything up by leaving. She hasn't. It's just that, you know, it happens. Life happens. And you got to make the best of what you 
can do with the circumstances. You can't expect you can't expect the actors to put their lives on hold in order to make a show work and a short like fans happy. Like if they're not happy and they want to move on, like they have to move on with their lives. Like right. At the end of the day, like like we talked about earlier, like the show is their job. Like if I want to move on from my job after seven years, I have the right to do that. And like nobody would be thinking crazy of me for doing that. It's the exactly. same thing. It's, it's the, the same it's thing. The same. Yeah. So, but I understand. Like you know, it's it's hard because like it does hurt, but yeah, it hurts. Yeah, and it's gonna hurt for a while, but it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. It's just you know, there are just some things to keep in mind. You know, so we got another message from Teresa, and Teresa said, you know, I totally respect her decision to leave. You know, she feels bad for the Dossie fans that it ended this way, but. You know, at least with PD, she said, you know, the writers had at least a few episodes to start to write Lindsay out. And it just kind of seems like they didn't have that for Monica and Gabby. But again, these are behind the scenes things that we're never going to know. We can speculate until we're blue in the face. We're never going to know. Ultimately, it was Monica's decision. And that's that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it sucks. It's hard. It sucks. But we also got a message from Katrina and Katrina said, you know, I hate to see it, but writing her out like that was cowardly. Hopefully now Casey can find someone who actually cares. Okay, that's (laughs) when we get into Casey actually caring. That's when I start to think it's a little harsh. Well, you mean like a partner caring about Casey because that's what they're arguing. People can be, and I and I know how divisive this fandom is regarding Gabby. That you know, you either love her or you really don't like her. I'm in the middle. I think I'm you like know, the rare person that's in the middle. She's stubborn. I, you know, I get it. She's stubborn, but I but mean, yeah, I do agree. I mean, for the most part, you like you said, you're right. The fandom is very divisive when it comes to her. Like, ninety nine percent of the time, you either love her or you hate her. There is very rare to find someone like me. I feel like that's in the middle. Right. Right. And so, I mean, I don't really agree with writing her out being cowardly. If we want to talk cowardly and Dossie, I will take you right back to early season four. I stand by that every day that I feel like that pregnancy was a cop out. But yeah, it just, you know, it just, yeah, we'll see how Casey moves on. Casey's going to be devastated, but the way, you know, we're going to learn more about him in the way that he moves on from this. Yeah, and I think it's, like I said, I think it's really going to come down to, in terms of being able to move on eventually, not that it's going to happen even in season seven, but, like, eventually being able to move on and, like, if it comes down to it, like, shipping him with someone else, I think is really going to depend on how that storyline goes in 701 and kind of the episodes after that. Because I feel like when you have shows like that, like, I feel like it's all about the storyline for the character around it and the character that was kind of left um out of that relationship like how that story goes for them in terms of like whether you're going to be able to ship them moving forward because like there's definitely been some instances i know that people reference where like you know one half of a partnership died and then like they were able to move on and ship them with whoever else came after but then there are certain instances that like because of the storyline and the way it was dealt, like, in the aftermath, like, they were never able to ship them with anyone else. Because, like, the storyline was handled uh, 
not properly and so it just you know never happened but like I do you know what that makes me think of you've seen the OC I remember that did you ever ship Ryan and Taylor yes only slightly because but I knew I knew that Marissa died like I knew that going in okay like I watched it last year like I knew that going in that she died so like yeah but I don't know. I think about it in terms of, like, Glee, which was a really, you know, big uh, – granted, there's very different circumstances, you know, with Cory Monty passing and, you know, all that. But, like, I think about it in terms of that. Like, I – because of the way I kind of hated the way that they wrote Rachel Berry, like, I never shipped her with anyone else. Not that she really had many relationships because the show only lasted for – two more seasons and I kind of stopped watching. But like, from what I've heard, like, I think they wrote, they wrote her horribly mm-hmm. after that. So like, I don't know. I think it really is going to be like make or break. Um, in these first like few episodes of season seven. Yeah. When it comes to Casey. Yeah. It's crazy. So in the middle of all of this, there was also a tweet from Giselle and Giselle made a really good point, And that's why I wanted to share this tweet here. Her tweet just said, you know, what if the writers wanted for her to stay and didn't want for her to leave, but she made the decision to leave? Now they can't fix the character because of her decision. Not fair to blame the writers for her wanting to leave. And guys, we're not sitting here telling you, like, you have no right to be sad. We're not telling you that. You have every right to be sad. You have every right to feel whatever you want to feel. We're just trying to present other perspectives yeah no for sure i mean this is something i we i was kind of going to end it on but it's you mean in our news discussion on but i think it's fine and you know say right here you know it's okay to be sad it's okay to be disappointed you know it's okay to have wanted more from the situation and it's okay to stop watching it's also okay if you're still really excited about season seven and don't really care about what happened you know, and, like, don't exactly. really have feelings and hated Dawson and whatever. Like, it's okay to feel however you wanted to feel. Like, that is your right. But, like, you also, at the end of the day, have to be respectful towards the writers, the cast, the crew, everyone that's involved in FIRE, but also the rest of the fandom. You know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So, like, you just have to be respectful and, you know, it's okay to feel however you feel. Like, you just got to remember that. Exactly. Just be kind is what to remember. Be kind to one another, in the words of Ellen DeGeneres. Be kind to one another, yes. Yeah, so, but it is okay to feel however you're feeling about this. However, and it's your Twitter, it's your social media. Let out your feel, however you're feeling. Let it out. It's just, you know, we're just here to kind of not play devil's advocate, but, you know, present other viewpoints that are around. So, you know, it sucks. It does suck. There's no good part of you know like I'm one of those people I don't like change and so you know there's no good part of this there was no scenario in which Gabby would leave that would be good so yeah sucks but you know show must go on yeah and it is going on it means come September whatever like it's gonna move on gonna move on yep it's gonna be full swing so as always guys you know you know if you see any news or if you want to get in touch with us or talk to us about anything this you know monica included you're welcome to email us or get in touch however you'd like i mean we have a whole big hiatus in front of us what we're gonna be doing is watching like what younger and bold texting and 
That's about it. Oh, bold type. Yeah, I got to finish that now. I started it last week. Thank God. Um, or a couple of days ago, really. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, um, but yeah, you guys can always get in touch with us about that and talk Chicago with us anytime. So we do have an episode to discuss, though. Yes, we do. Shall we? Yeah, let's talk about med. Okay. So the med finale. Brenna, overall thoughts? I think there were some good points of this. Um, but I don't know. I think it's hard because PD's finale was just so strong that to me, fire and med were a little bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I don't know. I think, and this is a, I think this is an opinion we got a, like a lot of people had this opinion. And it's not just me. I mean, Perry sent us a message about it literally before we started recording. It didn't feel like a finale. Like, it just kind of felt like any other episode. And I think a lot of people were talking about it felt rushed. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were pointing out, well, like, obviously, Med got 20 episodes compared to PD and Byers 22 and 23, respectively. Um, So they had a little bit less time to make plot certain plots work. Um, And I don't know if that was it for me necessarily, but I... do agree with the fact that it didn't really feel like a finale. Like, it just kind of felt like any other episode, except for the fact that there was a Manstead cliffhanger. And whatever that cliffhanger was with Dr. Charles. It did feel a little rushed, yeah. It just just felt like another episode. I was like, okay, well, next week. And then I was like, oh, wait, there is no next week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it so. needed, like, the shock factor of last season in order to make it feel like a finale, but, like, it just didn't. Listen, all I'm saying is that I'm happy that this one did not end with anyone bleeding on the sidewalk. Nobody is dead on any of three shows. Well, no, that's a lie. <laughs> Why did you put that into the universe? Because I just remembered, like, I was like, oh, this season ended with, like, nobody's fate, like, up in the air. Which I guess well, is te- that's technically correct. That's technically true, but that doesn't mean no one died. Uh, pour some out. Well, someone did die because I was gonna say the thing about like I said that no one's fate is up in the air, which is true. They just already dealt with that. Well, was it two seasons ago that each show killed somebody? Who died in like, the season one Med- finale? Med of Med. Season one of Med was Downey. Oh, right. Which was the same season that Justin Voigt died and One-Eyed Jimmy's brother died. Yeah. Shut the... Yeah. At least it's better than that. It's better than that. But, you know, we just got to wait until season seven of PD for death to rear his ugly head again since we pointed out that pattern. No, you mean... Seven? It's the odd number seasons when somebody dies. Oh, true. Then yes, season seven. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, this this did feel a little chaotic, but I guess we'll start with Connor and the twins. What do you think? Let's just go right into it. All right. So we start off and remember Connor has recused himself from the twin surgery. These twins are still conjoined. Still conjoined. I could have sworn they'd been separated like five episodes ago. Yeah, I know. But the twins' parents are disappointed that Connor won't be on the surgical team. Basically, this episode is like everybody kissing Connor's ass, except for Ava. It's not a good Connor episode. So 
The twins' parents are like, but Connor, you're so amazing and majestic, and why won't you be on the surgical team? And Connor's all broody, and he's just like, because. And so the parents are wondering why, Natalie's wondering why, and Ava's like, I mean, I understand if you're having second thoughts, but... For some reason, even though he's pulled himself from this surgery, like he doesn't have anything better to do. So he's just kind of hovering around the surgical team. Right. Like, Do you not have other patients to see? Exactly. Why would you recuse yourself from the surgery if you're just going to linger, Chief Grissom? That's some Grissom shit to just linger, you know? That's true. I didn't even think about it like that, but it is. So they're doing one last simulation and Anesthesia's like, hey, the bypass machine's in our way. We can't really do anything. And so then Connor's like, the light bulb's in his head. He's like, oh my God, I have an idea. Why don't you move the anesthesia machine to the front of the bed? And everybody's like, oh my God, that's amazing. And so, yeah, that, you know, Connor's got ideas up the wazoo, whatever. So the parents say goodbye to their girls and it's all melodramatic. And they're like, we love you. Don't let our girls die, Dr. Rhodes. And he's just like broody blue eyes and perfect and whatever. So we cut to surgery and Latham and Ava are, you know, operating away. Meanwhile, Connor's in the gallery doing play by play like it's Monday night football. <laughs> like... Basically, this there's some doctor next to him, and she's got, like, a million questions, which is good. Questions are good. But, you know, she's like, so now what happens? Because Latham said something about the heart. And Connor's like, well, now they have to put, put both girls on bypass. And then two seconds later, Latham's like, we have to put the girls on bypass. And so there's some higher up in the corner that the other woman just kind of noted mentions. She's like, there's people from like the Mayo Clinic and this place and that place. And there's some guys just like making eyes at Connor. He's like, wow, he's so smart. So, you know, that's about it. So we get later on into the operation. Dr. Frisch, a.k.a. Will Halstead's BFF, eh? um, she notices a defect in one of the twins' hearts that did not show up on previous imaging. So... Ava's like, how the hell did this not come up? And Latham's like, doesn't matter now. We just kind of got to roll with it. And so Ava's trying to think on her feet. She's coming up with all these alternatives. And Latham's just shooting them down one after the other. Latham's whole thing is that he doesn't want to make incisions into these girls like teeny tiny hearts. But Ava doesn't really know any other alternatives here. So Connor's in the gallery and he decides like he's, you know, he's feeling the God complex. Come on. And so he turns to the other woman. He's like, we lose one girl. We lose them both. Yeah, yes, Connor. That was very poignant of you. Uh, and so he just like runs into the OR because it's totally no big deal. And he suggests this like super out there procedure that according to Ava is only used in the cath lab. So Ava's, you know, she's just like she's calling upon her knowledge that she's learned that she's been taught that, you know, she's learned along the way and she's being shot down for it. This is not cool. This is ridiculous. Like it's it, it. Yeah, it gets a little ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. And I don't even think it was that part that bugged me. I think it's more just like. And I mean, a lot of people complained about this to us that like Connor, like Connor's God complex when he's like you like I have to do this. I mean, it's just like, come on. Oh, my God. That was ridiculous. That made me like facepalm hardcore. So. Ava's like, you know, Ava's pointing out, she's like, this is only used in the cath lab. Like, this is ridiculous. Dr. Latham. And Latham just stands there and goes, Dr. Rhodes is right. He'll do the procedure. 
And so Ava gives him these eyes like, you fucker, you just got me kicked off the surgery. Like, what the fuck? And I get it. I totally get it. And so Ava, or Dr. Latham's like, it's our only option. Are you deaf? Because Ava just suggested like three different alternatives. Yeah, I don't even think it was that part that bugged me because like I could understand, you know, like why maybe some of the alt- other alternatives weren't that great. But again, it's just Connor's reaction and all of this is what killed it more for me. And I was like, this is no. Who right, right. are you? Your name is not on this building. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I, again, I'm getting the hang of Tumblr this week. I know I'm like way, way late to the party. Tumblr's amazing, by the way. You're but, like, I don't even, almost 10 years late to the party. Yeah, I'm 10 years late to the party. Okay, I'm old. Like, whatever. I know that, but Tumblr's amazing. So, I found a post on a Tumblr page today that was actually pretty spot on. Um, it was a recap of the finale, and it was one of those that was, like, brashly honest. If we can find this person, we might want to have them on next season because it was pretty honest. So they're talking about the whole situation in the OR. And so – and I'm, I'm reading it right here. I have this. So it says, you know – let me see. So – Okay, so here's where here's the good part where it picks up. So it says, surely the brilliant and seasoned Latham couldn't have solved this issue. He's just not that creative, and we know his autism makes him more OCD and unable to think outside the box. But what about Ava, the so-called rival? Surely she's smart enough to come up with a plan to save these babies. Nope, because no one is as smart or as talented as Connor, and a doctor slash rep from the Mayo Clinic was there to let him know if he isn't happy at med, there is an attending position at his prestigious hospital. That's kind of jumping the gun. But the point of this is that basically Ava gets penalized for thinking inside the box, and apparently Connor's like the only one who can think outside of it. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a valid point. I don't know. I guess I just, when I watched it, like, I didn't think about it like that. Like, it didn't bug me on a, like, first watch. Yeah, it didn't bug me either. But second watch, and especially after I started reading posts, I kind of started to realize, I was like, oh, shit, this is not okay. Right. Like, and I only got to watch it once. Um, But, yeah, so I think that's why, like, for me, I'm like, it didn't bother me on first watch. So, like, I'm not. But I do agree. Like, when people point it out, I'm like, oh, like, that's obviously not okay. But, like, it just didn't bother me on first watch. The whole thing gets suggested. They leave. Connor's like, I have to do this. You and your God complex, Connor. I swear to God. That's where I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, who are you? Exactly, exactly. And so Ava just says, she's like, you realize if those babies don't pull through, your career's over. And he's like, yes, I do. But like, it's not. Exactly. Like. Okay, not that no one, not that and it was likely he was going to lose his patience anyway, but, like, if he did, I mean, it sucks losing patience, but, like, okay, he lost patience, like. So Connor proceeds to insert a patch into the baby's hearts, because remember, he's now, like, totally usurped this whole entire procedure, because he is God. And so he proceeds to insert the patch in the heart. And Dr. Frisch points out that, you know, he's essentially going in blind to insert the second half of the patch. And Connor kind of feels like he's a magician whose trick has just been like outed. And he's like, you weren't supposed to say that. That was going to be the whole like mystery of it all was how did I go in blind? 
So Ava points out that this completely defeats the purpose of avoiding an incision because she's like, now we're going to have to make the heart bigger. Like this completely defeats the purpose. But once again, Latham completely ignores her. Not cool. So they use a flexible something or other and Connor gets the second half inserted because he is God. Yeah. Yeah. So the surgery happens. Everything is so wonderful and dandy. It's so dandy that Connor gets a round of applause as he's leaving the baby's room. Like, yeah. Like pretty extra. Oh, so extra. So the extra, most extra. So, extra. so later on, Ava confronts him outside and she's like, she pretty much just like calls him out. She's like, I really sometimes think that you just do this for the glory. And Connor's like, oh, God, like. But I'm God. I don't do this for the glory. And so Ava's finally like, you bastard. Like, you got a job offer. And he got a job offer at the Mayo Clinic. And Ava's like, you're going to take it, aren't you? And Connor's like, would you? And then he just kind of drives off. And that's that. But I had to remind myself when he did that. I was like, okay, Connor was at upfront. Or not Connor. Colin was at upfront. Like, He's not going anywhere. He's going to be back. He has to be back. I can't deal with two departures in 48 hours. Like, Yeah, I don't think he's leaving. Um, I think this is Aaron end of season two. Like, he's presented with an offer to, like, leave. But, like, we all know he's coming back. He'd better come off. Or he'd better come back, not off. He'd better come back. Something, so, in like I said, we got a lot of messages, especially about Connor. We got a lot of messages um, but something in our email from Laurel, she said, because she said a lot of the same things that we had said, but she said this reminds her of George and Alex from Grey's, because in order for one to succeed, the other must fail. She's like, I didn't like Ava at first, but I felt for her. She felt sabotaged, and I would, I would question if Connor didn't have any, you know, like, crisis, question her if Connor didn't have any crisis of confidence. He likes being the star of the cardiac, or of the, like, cardiac department. Um, you know, he's a diva. He's not a team player. And so she said, like, my heart went out for Eva. But I thought the George and Alex comparison was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. But Connor drives off and Ava cries. We do other things as women than cry in the face of adversity. Yeah, I did not think that was the right time and place for her to cry. And nor did I think she would cry there. I mean, in the OR, you know, may, like in the OR, maybe just because like that, I don't know. It can be a vulnerable spot, but not on the sidewalk in front of the hospital. And I'm not the kind of person to tell somebody when they can and can't cry. Nothing pisses me off more than you know if I'm like about to cry and a male in my life is like, "Don't cry!" Like, "Fuck you, dude!" I will cry if I damn well want to. I'm not that person, but I don't like how that's Ava's reaction to everything stressful. Yeah, no, for sure. I just, I also I don't like think it. like it seemed out of character for her like it's like i don't think she would have cried on the sidewalk when connor just left like i don't know yeah it just didn't seem like it was ava is it manstead time oh boy yeah i think it's manstead time you want to take us through it sure so episode starts with will looking at the ring the ring. The ring. And so he's in the doctor's lounge and he's looking at the ring and, you know, then he puts it back in his pocket and Allie walks in and he's like, after work, would you meet, would you want to meet me on the balcony? And she just like, she's like, okay. 
Let's play a game, Bryna, shall we? Let's go for it, Gina. All right, so this is a one Chicago game. The game is called Where Would You Rather Be Proposed To? So we're going to look at all the proposals that have happened in the past X amount of seasons of all the one Chicago shows, and we're going to talk about them. Okay, so would you rather be proposed to in the roll-up bay at 51, that random rooftop after running a drill, the lock room at the 21st, Molly's or the roof of Chicago Med? Molly's is where Molly's proposed to plat, right? Yes. Why is that rusty in my brain? Well, regardless, I'd rather have you propose to at Molly's. I could see that. Okay. But in terms of, okay, so if we're looking at all five of these, where is like the least preferable place that you would like to be proposed to? The locker room. No offense, Ruzik. Um Like, I'm sorry, why would I want to be proposed to in a bathroom, essentially? It's true. It's true. Even if he said you and I are freaking awesome together. Why would I want to be proposed to in a bathroom? Okay, that's fair. That is like, fair. Like, why do I want to be proposed to in a place where people get naked? <laughs> that's fair. That's a good point. No offense, Ruzik, but you know. Not that any of these really other options are any good, better. Molly's yeah, is no, the best I, option. Molly's is the best option. That is correct. Yes, I would go off that. Um, I guess the roof of Chicago Med is not that bad. Like, if you if you need an alternative to Molly's, a rooftop in the city of Chicago is probably not as bad of an option. Yeah, but why would you want to get engaged at a hospital? Also true. A hospital that's been bombed, like, a million times. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could go, it's where they met, blah, blah, blah. It's where they fell in love, Blah, blah, blah. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I, but still, why do I want to get engaged in the hospital? Also true. I guess also it's also true. just like, I personally, I don't want to get engaged in a public place. Like, I, I don't know. There's the cringeworthiness factor of, like, getting engaged in public. So, like, for me, all of these places are like, oh, But. Like, not even in front of friends? Not really. I don't want to. Ooh. Take note, single men of DC. <laughs> I I think I've honestly seen too many proposals at sports games this year to be like I've like no. No, 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 no. no. I'm like any no. <laughs> I mean, and and also like getting proposed to at work of all places. Granted, I get it in their instance because they met at work and they basically live there. They basically live there. Yes. Anyway, that's, yeah, so I guess, I mean, it's not the best option, but there are worse. Yeah, Molly's is still my best option, though. Noted. So, anyway, then we cut to Jay, who, well, anyway, so main side goes about their days or whatever. Cut to Jay, casually drinking coffee while he waits to get a statement from a gunshot victim. And Will's there, like, on the computer or whatever, and he's like, Jay's like, well, what did Natalie say? And Will's like, well, I'll tell you after tonight, and... Jay's like, you haven't asked her yet? Like, you've had mom's ring a week. I think it's weird that Jay even asked. Jay's like, what would Natalie say? You really think that you would not be his first call after he proposed? Like, maybe you're going to be a second if he's going to call their dad first, but. Do you think he's going to call his dad first? No. Will's a little closer to Papa Halstead than Jay, though. Closer... You think he's closer to Papa Halstead than he is to Jay? 
No, no, no. I think Will has a better relationship with Papa right. Halstead Agreed. than Jay has with Papa Halstead. Agree, but does that mean Papa Halstead gets the first call? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. I could maybe because it's their mom's ring. Does Papa Halstead even know about Natalie? Probably not. Ooh, there's a good one. I've never thought about that. Probably not. Ooh, does Papa Halstead know about Natalie? Ooh, if only Nick were more active on Twitter, because I would totally ask him that question. No, right? Like, he can't. He's not going to know. I guess not. No, which means, I mean, Jay had, or Papa Halstead had to have known about Aaron, right? You don't think? Jay is not close with him. Damn. So, like, is Will just going to, like, marry her and then not say anything? No, I think, no, I think. These are your grandkids, man, instead? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know why that's so funny, probably, because it's 1030 at night. But, (laughs) yeah, no, I don't think that's the case. I think it's more like. Not that Manstead was a rushed relationship, but in comparison, it hasn't been that long. So, like, I just don't think it's happened yet. Like, I don't think it's going to be like a Will and Natalie get married and Papa House it still hasn't met them yet. I just don't think it's happened yet. Like, this oh, engagement we'll is kind of... going to get married. This engagement, though, is kind of rushed in the terms of... In comparison to the length of their relationship. Yeah. So, I think it's not crazy that they haven't met. Especially because it's not like, it's not like Will is BFFs with Papa Halstead. He just has the better relationship compared to Jay. Yeah, so they're both shit. It's just one is less shitty than the other. Right, exactly. Right, right. So, yeah. But so Jay's just like, okay, whatever. So, then there's a whole thing we're going to talk about with the homeless encampment and that whole storyline. But basically, Natalie and Choi... And April had gone to the homeless encampment. And so they find Laura. And Laura was the patient from a couple episodes ago who had the baby at the homeless encampment. And so, and she doesn't look that great. She's still, she's very sick. And so at med, they, you know, they bring, they're bringing in a bunch of patients from the homeless encampment. Um, but when they get to med, they realize that Laura is far worse than the others. And so Natalie was working on her with Will. And so... You know, when Will, later on, like, outside the room or whatever, Will, you know, tells her, he's like, I know you you delivered her baby. Like, I'm sorry, Natalie. Like, you know, I'm sorry that she's worse. Mm, Yeah, I was a little confused by that. I was like, okay, I mean, okay. What were you, wait, what were you confused about? Well, because he was like, I know you delivered her baby. I'm sorry, Natalie. So I'm sorry that she's sick again? Yeah, that she's sick. Okay. Because, like, I mean, obviously, you know, everyone this season, I mean, everyone, well, Choi and Natalie especially, like, have developed some kind of attachment to the kids in this homeless encampment. And so it's someone that Natalie is, you know, was close to, or not close to, but, like, you know, affected her. And so the fact that she's sick now, and I think they probably, I think the thing is, too, is I think they probably know that it's not going to be good and her chances of survival are low. Like, right, I yeah, think if she, like, you know, I think she just has, yeah. like, a fever and, like, can't stop throwing up and they don't know what's causing it, but that's the case. I don't think that's something he says. But, like, right, I think right, he... No, she's, like, super jaundiced when they right. find her. 
Yeah. Turns out she has hepatitis A and C. So it's damaged her liver and her kidneys. Um, And so then their first concern, though, is the baby. Because obviously Laura's had this for a while and, you know, she didn't deliver her baby that long ago. So now he's like, okay, well, I'll call the adoptive parents and get her to come in and whatever. And so Laura asks, like, you know, she's like, when she comes, can I see her? And so Natalie's like, well, you know, we'll see if it's possible. Isn't she, like, super mega contagious, though? Honestly, I don't know. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that. I don't know. We did, somebody did tweet in the middle of the episode, and they were like, so you can have hepatitis A and C. And shout out to Jeff, because we quoted the tweet. We were like, Jeff. And he replied earlier tonight, tonight being Wednesday night, he replied and was like, yes. So we got our confirmation there. But I mean, aren't you like super mega contagious if you have hep A? I don't know. I I, I haven't Googled because I'm afraid to find out. I don't know. What the answer might be. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so the birth parents do come and visit, and, you know, Laura gets to see the baby. I mean, obviously not hold her or anything, but gets to see the baby, and it's great, whatever. Natalie's, you know, flying high, she's whatever. And then two seconds later, not two seconds later, literally, but two seconds later, Laura crashes and dies. That's, yeah. Okay, it's not two seconds. Maybe it's, like, five. But literally, like, um, Will's like, that's a good omen. And Nat's like, huh? And then the alarms start going off. Yeah, it's, yeah. So later on, they're watching the conjoined twins and, you know, being all cutesy and whatever. And Will's like, I need to run to the doctor's lounge to get something. And then, like, and they're, like, standing outside or whatever. And they run into Dr. Frisch. And Dr. Frisch asks Will if he cares to celebrate. And Will's like, nope. Like, I'm good, whatever. But clearly in his head, Will's like, LOL, nope, that was not a good idea back then, whatever. But Natalie takes offense to this, or she, like, from whatever that, from Will's response, Natalie is able to put together that this is who he slept with, and she gets super pissed, and she's, like, all she says to Natalie is just, like, it was her. And then she, like, runs off. Yeah. I kind of feel like she overreacted. Mm? Yes. But, like, what? how was she supposed to react? Well, it's not like he made out with her sister or, like, you know, her BFF or something. It's just another doctor in the hospital. Yeah, but then we get into this whole conversation that we had earlier of, like, were they on a break? That's true. Like, if they were not technically on a break, then Will cheated. They were on a break. It still sucks because we all knew they weren't. They were on a break because Natalie wanted them to be on a break, not because Will wanted to, and she probably wanted to see that he was still committed to her. Yada, yada, yada. Whole lot of different things going on, but. It's true. It is true. Anyway. So, like you said, Natalie, like, kind of runs off, whatever, but Will runs after her. And he does it, ladies and gentlemen. He proposes. Um, he's like, and so they're like having this whole argument, whatever. And Will's like, but I'm not going to let you go. Like, not without asking. And like I said, he fucking proposes. Um, first off, I need the parallel gift set of this proposal and Casey going back to Dawson in 401 and being like, I don't ever want to let you out of my life again. Or like, give me like the triple parallel where Jay's like, people come and go and I don't want you to come and go. Like, I need that in my life. 
Tumblr now that I've gotten the hang of it. Gina, you need to learn how to make gift sets so you can just make that yourself. I do, but I don't because I know the minute I do, like, all productivity goes out the window. No, I – oh, I know. Yeah. It would not be – Because I'll yeah. just be gifting the most random things. Yeah, for sure. I'll be like, look at this photo of Justin Timberlake where the light hit him at just the right angle at this precise millisecond. It just won't be good. (laughs) But, no, I mean, I like this proposal. I just, I don't know. I'm so over, and not just with, like, the Chicago shows. I'm just so over, like, in television, like, characters thinking that it's, like, when something goes wrong in their relationship and, like, when they have an issue that, like, proposing fixes all. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about this because, I yeah, now that we've seen this from both Halstead brothers, I mean, this is the Halstead Hail, like, Hail Mary. It's like the the Hall Mary. Don't, shh. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Dear God. It, <laughs> you can't take me anywhere, Brian. I'm sorry. Um, it's literally the Halstead Hail Mary. Like, the minute a relationship's going south, they're like, I will fix it. I will propose. Yeah. It But I was okay with it. I thought this was a really sweet proposal. I mean, I'm okay with it. I don't I don't know. What do you th- Okay, what do you think she says? Are we getting the engaged okay. me instead or are we getting broken up me instead 2.0? I think she's going to say no. Yeah, I can't imagine her saying yes. I think, I think she's going to consider it way too knee jerk. Yeah, because it was. This is going to go kind of TC and Jordan, like how he proposed and she said no, and then they just kind of were amicable through the rest of the series. Oh, don't remind me. I know, I know. We missed the night shift. Don't remind me. Yeah. I think she's going to consider it too fast, like too knee jerk, and then she's going to want a relationship. She's going to be like, well, we can, you know, we can continue as is, and that's not going to be good enough for Will. Holy yoy. I know. I know. What about some of the reactions we got from listeners? I know Perry said something about this. Yeah, I don't have Perry's pulled up. Um, So I have Laurel's pulled up, though. Laurel said, I've come to the conclusion that Manstead is the most frustrating couple I've come across on television. I've endured Meredith and Derek, but still like them. Natalie is annoying. Did Natalie and Will discuss... About discusses almost one night stand. Did Frisch and Natalie have an exchange of words? Like that ring needs. I might cut this out. Hold on. I don't even know what she's trying to say now. Oh, Will looks so desperate when Nat when asked when he asked Natalie to propose. Um, like this is his last chance with her. She doesn't deserve him. Yeah, Natalie needs to grow up. I don't think it was desperate on Will's part. I think the reason I liked it so much was that Will was finally speaking up for what he wanted, you know? I will say, for me, I think my biggest problem with the Will and Natalie thing, like, it's not that it wasn't a cute proposal and it wasn't all Manstead and whatever. It was that, were they, okay, one, were they ever officially back together? And, like, two, we don't know if they ever worked out their issues. So, like, for me, like... I'd rather have seen that and, like, I don't know what the cliffhanger would have been this, like, season finale. But, like, you know, I would rather them have worked on that and then, like, season four get engaged. Like, I just, I needed that more than I needed them to be engaged. 
like because I'm really big on because I'm really big on like development and like seeing that through and it's why you know we've had this conversation plenty of times maybe not as much on the podcast but like it's why for me Burzik was so frustrating in the beginning if we're talking taking Mm -hmm. PD because I felt like they had or at least not on screen like not enough development and so when they got engaged it was like whoa 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 hold, hold on like where did this relation come from like relationship come from like it was just so fast and then you know they broke up and whatever and now you can see it and now I love Berzik and whatever and I've always loved Berzik but like with me and I'm kind of feeling too it's like they broke up then they kind of tiptoed around each other Will brought Natalie her son back so like I guess that means they're back together but like we're kind of just dancing around the issue and like now all of a sudden they might be engaged. It's like, hold on, where was the conversation and all the stuff, like stuff that happened in between? Yeah, never mind that in three hundred one, three hundred one was them simply getting together, not even just like it was like the very beginning of the relationship. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I just think there's like for me there was a lot more discussion and development that needed to happen before a proposal. So for me, yeah. it was kind of like, well, where did the fuck did this come from? I'll agree with that for sure. Um, what did Jessica, was it Jessica T? She said something pretty funny about this. She said, Jessica said, all I have to say is if Natalie says no to the will, to will, the halts of the brothers need to put that ring away for good and start fresh. That ring is cursed. Yeah, they really do. If, if Natalie says no to this, then they really, they need to go halfsies on a new ring and call it like mom's other ring. Like, Mom's second ring. Because there's some bad juju with that ring if Natalie says no. Which is sad because it's their mom's ring. So it should have all the, like, positive juju. But. Right. Okay. But I also can't say, like. Does it really on Jay's part, though? Because Jay never technically proposed. She still left him. Yeah, but that doesn't. That had nothing to do with, like, hit she hit. That had nothing to do with her knowing he was going to propose. I still count it. I still count it. He had the ring in his pocket. The whole episode, he was like, I'm going to ask Aaron to marry me. No, I know. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I'm still going to count it because the intent was there. He was going to propose and it went awry. I'm still going to count it. Okay. I'm just saying. Just saying. That's also because I will never be over Linstead. Oh, no, for sure. But I don't know. I, I, I liked the proposal. I liked to see. I liked that Will was finally like speaking up and was like, oh, hell no. This is not going to happen this way. Like, this is what we're going to do. I liked that. So so let's talk about April and Ethan. Or the, do you want to talk about April and Ethan? Then I can take Goodwin and Bert because there's a lot more with Goodwin and Bert. Up to you. Sure. Whatever you want. Yeah, let's let, yeah, let's do Bert. Yeah, okay. So good one and Bert. So Will's first patient comes in, and it's of course Bert Goodwin. So the neighbors found him unconscious, apparently in his garage with the motor running. Which we like. I mean, immediately I knew what that was, and you know, like they're all kind of talking about it and like I mean Goodwin knows immediately as soon as she gets called like everyone kind of knows like I mean he was trying to kill himself um Miss Goodwin comes you know Sharon comes down while Bert's in this hyperbaric chamber that they put him in um you know 
Does nobody else find it weird that like Chicago Med, this is Chicago Med, okay, this place has been blown up a million times, bodies have gone missing, they have had instances in the past where they haven't had enough oxygen tanks or ECMO machines, yet they somehow have a hyperbaric chamber lying around? Nope. Does nobody else find that weird? Nope, because this is Chicago Med, where they do things that are high tech, but can't afford common tech. Okay, that's fair. Not, not surprising at all. So... <laughs> Um, Will, you know, Will's working on him or whatever. Will's trying to stay optimistic, but Goodwin's not having it. She's like, I mean, she says, she's like, he tried to kill himself, like, whatever. So Will checks on him, in on him later, and he won't talk until, you know, he says, he's like, he, like, just kind of comes out and says that he's like, why didn't you just let me die? <laughs> why do all of Will's patients want to die? People, when we said earlier this year that Will kills all of his patients, we were joking. We were kidding. Like, he's a good doctor, people. Yeah. Just, why does why do all of his patients want to die this year? It's not cool. So, Goodwin comes back in or whatever, and she laces into him this time. She's like, don't you ever think of anybody but yourself? And she's, like, going on and on. and But thankfully, Dr. Charles intervenes and reminds her that attempted suicide is a five-day psych hold. So that means she'll have another chance to kind of lay into him if she wants, if that is what she chooses to do. So, like, just let him, you know, get back to normal on his first day. So she then does the same with brushing him off, brushing off lawyer man, like she kind of did Dr. Charles. Um, but obviously brushing off lawyer man is acceptable and understandable because, you know, it's literally the same stuff he's been bitching at her for all season, like board and meeting and blah, 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 and whatever. Can I just say that I love this version of Goodwin? Like, I love this, like, I don't give a fuck version of her. It's kind of great. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so Dr. Charles comes to see Bert. And Dr. Oz is like, I just came to say hi to an old pal, whatever. And Birch is like, go away. And so Dr. Charles is like, okay. So then he goes and finds Sharon. And she's like, he's like, Sharon, like, you need to actually talk to him. Not yell at him, but, like, talk to him. And Sharon's like, I give no fucks. Like, it's my ex-husband. Like, whatever. Um, and even Maggie tries to offer advice, and Sharon, at this point, still has no fucks to give. Um, but once Laura dies, and I think she sees the impact that it had on the doctors and, you know, the people who aren't even that close to Laura, but, like, that, you know, she had affected, Goodwin decides to make the decision to go see Bert. And she tells him, you know, that Lila, which is Bert's ex-wife that died this season, Lila died this mm-hmm. season, right? So she tells him that Lila still had the presence of mind to ask her to watch over him. So Goodwin says, you know, like, we can be proud of this. You know, like, we raised three wonderful children. Like, don't do this to them. Like, don't you dare do this to them. Like, don't be selfish in this moment. What was sad here was that, I mean, it's clear that Bert just wanted Sharon to care. And Sharon was just kind of cold towards him and I get that I totally get that but you know it's clear that he completely lit up once she started to show concern yeah it's I don't know I'm kind of I don't know I'm not a fan of Bert's character like I'm glad that we learned that part of Goodwin's backstory but like why do we keep bringing Bert back 
Well, for all we know, Bert could have been devastated by their split, too. No, and I'm not saying that he was. It's just like, I don't know. Right. I'm just not a fan of that storyline. But basically, the reason Lawyer Man was bugging Sharon to go to the board meeting all day was because apparently we have this new chief of trauma, Dr. James Lanick, and also a new COO, Gwen Garrett. Apparently, Gwen is played, and I, I'm going to look up the name here. Heather had, second, had Heather Headley. It's in Laurel's email. Okay, yeah, Heather Headley. Apparently, this woman is a Broadway like legend, not legend, but like rock star. She's like big she's a on Tony Broadway. winning actress. Apparently, oh fuck yeah! So she can totally stick around. I love me some Broadway actors because, yeah, acting for them is just like no big deal. Yeah, but is this new chief of trauma sticking around? I would guess I so. I don't know. What happened to Stoll? No, Stoll's head of ED. Never mind. Yeah. No, is it I mean, someone else that Connor's going to bump head with the heads with now? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So many questions. I don't know. But yeah, that is the Sharon and Bert stuff. Okay, so let's talk about April and Ethan. April and Ethan. I'm over it. Uh, so this, I will say, was an anticlimactic cliffhanger, in my opinion. So we start off. Ethan's worried about Emily because he hasn't heard from her. April has completely changed her tune from the beginning of the season. So April's like, she's ashamed that she stole drugs and lied about it. And Ethan's like, uh, she's my sister. And April's like, well, as soon as she wants something, I'm sure I'm sure you'll he'll, you're, bleh, you'll hear back from her. It's getting late. Oh, sorry. Um, so two of the girls from the homeless encampment, Kiki and Deb, they are back. And so Kiki has a fever. She starts throwing up and Deb is not far behind. And their test results come back positive for Hep A. So Ethan, Natalie and April all head to the encampment to get the full scope of how bad it is. They find Laura, the girl who had the baby, and wait for it, they find Emily. Not surprised. Granted, it was in the promo, but still. So Ethan's like, oh my God, like Emily, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. He's like concerned. April is completely over her shit. And you can tell by that very forced, like, oh my God, that she gives when she realizes that it's her. It's very forced. She's like, oh my God. So... While this is happening, I mean, Ethan's being the super caring big brother that we've always wanted to see. You know, they get back to med and he's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. You're going to be fine. April, on the other hand, is Regina Georging the crap out of her. Like, oh, my God, the side eye that she gives in this scene. It's crazy. Like they're they're in the ED finally. And April is just like or Ethan's like, well, you know, set this up, set that up, give her this med, whatever. And the side eye from April. Oh, it burns. The thing about it for me, though, and I can't really tell what annoyed me about it. Like if it's the April stuff or if it's really like I don't really know, because like on the one hand, I get like obviously, like you said, April is Regina Georgie and the crap out of Emily. But at the same time. Like, we all know that Emily's going to play Ethan eventually. Like, April is just looking out for Ethan. Like, because she's already done it twice. Like, she's done it, like, twice this season. You think Emily's going to play him again? Yeah. Oh, that makes me sad. Because, like, Ethan wants to 
fix their relationship. Fuck yeah, she's going to play him again. Oh, that makes me sad. So, like, on the one hand, I understand why April, you know, she's trying to have a thick skin so that when it happens, you know, somebody can be okay and be sane and not Mm -hmm. be burned by Emily leaving. But, like, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. So, yeah, April gives her side eye and Emily's like, she hates me. And Ethan's like, no, she doesn't. And Emily's like, no, but she does. And all the fans are like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, she kind of does. So later on, Emily's improving. You know, she apologizes to Ethan for everything. Ethan's like, you know, don't worry about it. It's fine. So Ethan tells April that they can move Emily upstairs. But then April offers some unsolicited advice. And she's like, great, then you can talk to Dr. Charles. And Ethan's like, yeah or not. So she's like, well, she needs professional help. And so Ethan's whole thing is that, you know, his entire life, it's been ignoring Emily and let her be somebody else's problem. And he's like, I'm not doing that this time. Like, she's my family. I'm not doing that this time. And so Ethan eventually tells April that, you know, Emily's going to stay with them when she's released. And so April's like, Ethan, you cannot trust her. And Ethan's like, well, you're the one who always told me how important family is. And April just goes, Ethan, she's damaged. You can't fix that. So I didn't realize that the whole caveat within the Sexton family was like, you know, family's important unless they make a mistake, in which case, fuck them. Yeah. Like, what if Noah, like, what if Noah dropped out of med school? Like, does that mean April would, like, turn her back against him? Right. Yeah, it was a little harsh. Like, I thought that was kind of, mm And then she even goes on to say, she's like, she's just going to bring her mess into our lives. Holy shit, April. Like, yeah. Damn. What wound her up? Yeah, I don't know. That's, like, ice cold. And she would never say that about somebody in her own family. Uh Uh-uh. And so Ethan's like, well, she's coming home with us. Um, first off, when did sex toy move in together? For real, that's what um, Laurel said in her thing. She's like, when did they move in together? Like, she, Laurel said, I have a theory that she's an apartment and stays on occasion, but, like, they don't actually live together. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, we were not a part of this decision. When did this happen? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and April just goes, no, Ethan, she's going home with you. And just kind of Drop the mic. I, I didn't really consider this much of a cliffhanger because this is like kind of just a couple fight to me. Yeah. No, it was definitely just more of a couple fight, not a cliffhanger. No, and if April leaves him over this, then that sucks. Yeah. I don't know. Just. Yeah, it was it wasn't really much of a cliffhanger, in my opinion. Yeah, but we heard it from a lot of people um, on Twitter and, you know, just in emails and stuff about this. She said Perry said. Storyline doesn't make sense at all. April's all about family. Then, you know, she wasn't going to... Then, obviously, she didn't support even taking care of her, his sister. We're talking about the girl who was helping Noah choose his lunch. You're making her look like the bad guy when she was never... When she never was when the issue was family-related. Right. That's... Yeah, that's dead on. Laurel... But then Laurel goes on to say in her email, she said, you know, well... I will give the writer some points for showcasing the vulnerability of Ethan. Hats off to Brian T's acting. I enjoyed the evolution of Ethan this season, you know, and yeah. She also goes on to say that they were April and that she doesn't really think April, that was April and Ethan breaking up. She said out of the relationship this season, they were the most mature relationship on the show. 
they did really come leaps and bounds because at the beginning of the season we were just like oh my god kill us please yes i didn't feel like that towards the end but i still like i never got around to like being like oh my god this is a couple i'm super invested in yeah so we'll see what season four holds for them Hopefully they can move past it. And hopefully we see more of Emily. I liked her. And I like that she kind of softened up Ethan. I still think she's going to betray him. Oh, that's sad. And she's going to bounce. And so the last bit we have to talk about for the season, the seasons, plural, is our little detective Dr. Charles over here. Dear God. Dear God, indeed. I know. Brenna, you want to take it or you want me to? Um, why don't you take it? Okay. So, Dr. Haywood is still rehabbing from his surgery, and basically Sarah's trying to help him find a cardiac rehab facility to rehab in. And he's, like, super creepy and weird and awkward this episode. So he's like, I don't deserve you, Sarah. And Sarah's like, yeah, can we just focus? And... Basically, Sarah has to go to work, and so she's like, pick somewhere, would you please? Meanwhile, Dr. Charles gets a call from a Mr. and Mrs. Coveney. They're parents of a girl named Olivia who went missing from Madison about the same time that Sarah's father taught there. So Sarah checks back in on her father. He won't make a decision about where he wants to leave, but he also adds. Live, not leave. You said leave, not live. It's live. Live, live. I meant live. Again, it is late for us. So he also all of a sudden is like, hmm, all of a sudden I love choral music, just like my heart donor. Okay, cool story, bro. Um, Okay, so Sarah takes him on a walk because the nurses are just too short-staffed. They bump into Dr. Charles on their walk, and Haywood suggests that, you know, he finish the walk so that Sarah can go back to work. So he rambles on and on about this thing. It's called cell memory phenomenon about how, you know, transplant recipients take on the characteristics of their donors and he says or you know he's like yeah sarah's starting to come around to it blah 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 and dr charles is like yeah cut the shit like the problems with your brain it's not with your heart and he's like well you know sarah's starting to come around or is she just being another young and gullible young woman dun 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 so Dr. Charles goes to Madison to meet with the family and Olivia, the girl who went missing, she loved monkeys. So in her room, she has this, what I'm presuming was a set of three monkeys. It's like the hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil, whatever. But out of this set, one of the monkeys is missing. And so Dr. Charles is like, uh, where's the third? And the parents are like, yeah, we don't know. So instead of taking this to PD, which would be the logical explanation, oh, no, no, on on Chicago Med, we solve things ourselves, (coughs) don't we? So Dr. Charles goes right to Haywood's apartment. Totally safe option for a guy who was shot and bleeding on the sidewalk at the end of season two. Totally safe. I know. So the landlord won't let him in because, like, 2018, like, good on you, Mr. Landlord. But it doesn't matter because he's walking on the street and he sees the third monkey in the window. It sounds like a child's nursery rhyme gone wrong. Uh, Yeah, so he sees the third monkey in the window, which just doesn't that sound like a horror movie just like waiting to happen? Oh, for sure. Monkey in the window. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. So 
Dr. Charles is like, well, fuck this. And so he goes right to Haywood and he just confronts him with it. This is the last scene of the episode. And he's like, you know, it's really funny how serial killers, like the one thing that they can't resist doing is taking an object from the victim. Like they can't resist. It's like a trophy. And Dr. Haywood collapses and just in time, it happens just in time for Sarah to kind of show up in the doorway and just kind of look at him like, the fuck? And that's the episode. I'm so confused by this ending. It was a weird one. Yeah, it ended very odd. Like, I can't tell if Sarah's what the fuck face is regarding like dr charles being hunched over and like kind of maybe looking like dr charles like attacked her father or like that she's concerned about her father or both like i was so confused it was a fairly ambiguous what the fuck face yeah i i I don't know i'm so confused yeah and so that wraps up season three of chicago med wow as well as season five of Chicago PD and season six of Chicago Fire. Yeah, that is it for one Chicago this season. That is it for one Chicago this season. Holy shit. That's crazy. It's really crazy. Oh my God, it's so crazy. So you guys, this has been so much fun doing this with you guys this season. And we're coming back for more. You're not getting rid of us. We're not going anywhere. But I think this means that we are officially on hiatus, like entirely 110% on hiatus, which is crazy. So we also did want to take a minute before signing off to kind of discuss what's going to happen over the next couple months. So first things first, now that all the seasons are done, we are going to take a break for the rest of May and I think the first week of June. The next time that you guys will hear from us with a new episode of Meet Us at Molly's will be the second weekend of June when we are at ATX. Probably more like the third week of June because like we're not going to have time to edit that during while we're there. No, we will be tweeting from ATX though. So make sure that you follow us because we will be tweeting so many things. Um, So the next time you'll hear a new episode from us will probably be mid-June. And that's just, you know, we're going to kind of take a break. We're going to you know, watch other shows, things like that. And at ATX Festival, we will be covering a million other shows that are going to be there. If you've never heard of ATX Festival or if you don't know what it is, check out the website. Have you actually been listening to us all season if you haven't heard us talk about like That too. That too. It's atxfestival.com. It is so much fun. If you're going to be at ATX Festival, dude, keep an eye out for us. Hit us up. We love to make our TV friends over there. We love to meet new people and things like that. So that's always fun. We think we're, we're I think we're planning on recording two episodes at ATX. Um, we're gonna finally cover you know other shows that we watch because we do watch a lot of other shows out there, which you've heard us talk about. And we're also gonna cover our top ten TV ships. So that's kind of the tentative plan for ATX. After ATX and throughout the summer, and Brian, correct me if I'm wrong here. We're planning on recording once a week, and I think we're just planning on covering old episodes. So, no, so I don't. Was that a no? Yeah. Well, because we had also talked about, like, we wanted to do kind of, like, a wrap-up, like, go back and look at our wish list and, like, talk about, like, mm-hmm. kind of the, all the seasons as a whole and, like, things that happened on our wish list, like, what didn't happen on our wish list, like, whatever, like, do an episode on that. Then we got a couple of suggestions of things that – remember those suggestions that a listener sent us that were, like um, – 
remember that. Oh, they were no. You know I know what I'm talking about. about they so were, not yeah, yeah, all so. completely old episodes, but like topics. I mean, they will be back. Let's put it this way: they will have shifted back to one Chicago. They yeah, will have. I mean, yeah, it'll be mostly one Chicago. All see are all hiatus. We do want to do a night shift episode at some point, but like regardless. Um, yeah, but I mean, we definitely will do some old episodes. I don't know how we're going to do them since we've done all the pilots now, but we'll do some. I mean, we've got so many. Yeah, there's so many options. Like, if you guys have any ideas for what you want to hear us cover over hiatus, hit us up. I mean, we're pretty laid back. So over hiatus, it's just going to be like, you know. Killing time. This was suggested. Let's just talk about this, you know. So that's the plan. We'll still be around and you can always get in touch with us. So we'll still be around. We'll still be putting out episodes. But for now, we're just going to take a little break. And so, yeah, we're still online, though. It's not like we're going away for a month. You know, we'll still be around. You can tweet us, talk to us, email us, however you guys want to get in touch. So as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board. And as I've said throughout the episode, I'm getting the hang of Tumblr. It is a wonderful thing. You should start Uh, reblogging stuff on our Tumblr. I will start reblogging, yeah, because I have my personal Tumblr as well, and it's basically just been like a whole bunch of supernatural gifts. Oops. So yeah, we're everywhere there, and I'll start working on our Tumblr and stuff. Um, email us, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Send us a DM, however you want to get in touch. Follow us individually on Twitter, and this is a key point for hiatus, especially. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brian. I am at Brina K thirteen. Ashley is at Ashnick095. That's N-I-C, no K. And you guys, for the last time this season, that's about all we've got. So we will see you guys mid-June. From Texas, y'all. From Texas, together. y'all. Yes, we will together. see Together. That's yes. the most important part together. we did not mention. We will be together. Like in person, in the same together. room. Yep. Holla. Yep. We like, we like to record like that. It makes things a lot easier. So, so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. You guys take a break. Watch some other shows. Tweet us what you're watching. The summer sunshine. Oh, tweet us what. Yeah, definitely tweet us what you're watching. Um, stay in touch though. But yeah, we will see you guys in the middle of June. So, all right. Bye.